Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everybody, it's Mario here, host, or one half of the host of the Peaky Pod alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. This is the first time we actually do a pre-roll ad, and you'll probably hear it one more time at the end. But we'd just like to announce an upcoming show that we are planning called The Story Archive Show. We plan on that being our kind of hub for doing one-off reviews of movies and maybe specific episodes of TV shows that are on our gauntlet, our Thanos gauntlet of Mm -hmm. the greatest TV shows ever. And uh, we want to invite you to subscribe. We're going to put the links in there. But if you don't want to go to the show notes, just type in Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, the Story Archive show, and we should pop up. So please subscribe, follow us, and uh, let us know how you're liking the Peaky Pod. We hope you enjoy this episode and take care. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of the Peaky Pod by Story Archives. Today we are commentating on Season 2, Episode 4. I'm your host, Mario, alongside... Zachary, your other host. Welcome. What's up, Zach? What's up? You ready? Oh, you ready I'm, for another one? I'm so ready. This is a very eventful episode. I'll, I'll just start I enjoyed the hell out of this episode. It was like, good. I really enjoyed this episode a lot. A lot of action, especially once you've... It's so much more like rewarding after you've watched the series to go back and watch this episode Mm -hmm. you know we can't say anything else but in doing that it's just ah, it's such you know let's go back to the good old days you know what i mean yeah a lot of the memorable moments um that i have throughout this entire show were from this episode some of them were yeah well uh a lot of eventful stuff we have the follow-up from tommy's assassination or failed assassination attempt by Sabini's inept assassin. You have the follow-up with May Carlton, who mm-hmm. I gotta say, great chemistry. Great <laughs> chemistry between the two of them. I mean, it's kind of like screwing your best friend's wife, right? Wow, you don't gotta go there. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you really... I mean, we're never gonna guess... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you're never gonna get tom hardy on this pod no we're not yeah wow way to go well uh campbell and tommy meet on their vaunted meeting with some surprises in there from some fellow fellow like-minded individuals or supposedly mm-hmm. uh we have a swinging party that uh doesn't go so well for let me just say mario's are down bad in this episode yeah this you know, one, this one they're know, hurting a little bit it's a bad episode for mario's in general <laughs> here i honestly there was a moment as that Mario was getting his throat cut up by uh-huh. Arthur that I was rooting for Mario to uh, kill Arthur, even though <laughs> like, no. I've, watched, I've watched this episode. And I'm like, damn, man, you are really like the stock. Like I refuse to acknowledge that person with my name. Like that doesn't, that is not worthy. It's cowering by the bar. Luckily, I don't have that problem with anybody in this show. Yeah. A body's found in the coal. We have 
Michael, who is still trying to weave his way into this family on his birthday. I think he's kind of successfully made it there. I mean, he's he's doing things. You know, as as we hear in this episode, Tommy does not want a simple life. So let's continue to bring family into the business. That'll complicate it. Yeah, really. <laughs> They'll make it plenty complicated. Yeah. You have an interaction with Johnny Dogs at the dock, which I would assume means that Johnny Dogs has been skimming boxes off the boat and Tommy is low-key telling him, you know, if 25 turns to 24, it's fine. But if 24 turns to 23, that's a tax. Uh-huh. And we don't pay tax. I don't know what that means. But I think it means that you're going yeah, to have to do something with Johnny Dogs there. I think it's that he's been skimming and then selling stuff and Tommy wants his cut. Uh, Arthur's been ordering apparently 600 pounds of olives. Yeah. Which is uh, <laughs> 600 pounds worth of olives. <laughs> olives is a new code word for cocaine. Um, <laughs> I like Olive Arthur. Yeah. We get a uh, Sabini and Alfie interaction, which seems to be that uh, Tommy's in for some, some rough tidings in the future mm-hmm. if those two are truly in an alliance with each other. Which, uh, for how swimmingly everything's going in this episode for Tommy. Something was bound to go awry, and let's just put that at the top of the list right now. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he has been kind of preparing for his demise in this episode, so I think he kind of suspects the possibility of something going wrong. Now we just kind of see it coming into play. We get Tommy treasure hunting in May Carlton's mansion with a map leading to a certain uh, bedroom spot with an X on it. A certain bedroom. It was a very big house, by the way. I like Tommy's pickup line. Do you want to fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try that next. You know, yeah, try that next. This could be really yeah, straightforward. You know, I'm gonna walk into. Does the that bar. work? I think what we need to do, we need a YouTube channel. We try all these that lines. copies Tommy's tactics, and we'll see if they are successful. I do bad things. I think they would work. I think they would, in the right circumstance. I mean, you, you find know? the right person. I'm sure. You know, you know what I mean? Like, he says it, but it's not like uh, over the top, you know. Eh, I guess it is. We're just like fans of Tommy. So I don't know. I mean, it's over the top, but at the same time, it's just hilarious because it's so well, straightforward. It's just like, he's just, get out hey, of the way. He's, he's saying life is simple. You know, business and pleasure do not mix. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just get this out there now before the booze starts doing the talking. Mm-hmm. I'd say a wise business move, you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a good way to put it. We get a bar fight with Isaiah and Michael and the repercussions of being related to the Shelbys of what happens. You can't just get in a bar fight if you're a Shelby. Like it's, you fight in the bar and you're a Shelby, you burn the bar down. That's what happens. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation with somebody about uh, all of these characters that are, have become popular since Breaking Bad and since Mad Men. It's a, Mm. it's a bunch of characters that are these gray area protagonists. They're like antagonist, protagonist. I wouldn't put all of them in the antagonist category. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were talking, we we're like, why do we like characters like Tony Soprano and uh, Don mm-hmm. Draper and Tommy Shelby? And I wouldn't put Walt in this character because Walt was never cool, except in very like three or four moments throughout yeah. the show where yeah. he has epic, epic moments. And you're like, yeah. Um, and I was talking to him and we, you know, an interesting, you know, comment was made. It was these characters operate in a world where, they're your natural primal uh what's the word i'm looking for like your primal instincts of just doing what you want to do kicks in and it's like through those characters you get this sense of like 
if you could live like that and do and operate yeah. <laughs> in, in a world where like there's a scene in Sopranos where Tony's in a restaurant mm-hmm. and he's old school. So he doesn't like people with hats in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And he's a this young kid with a, with a cap in the restaurant and he's, and he's having dinner with his friend. I think it's Artie, uh, Artie, who's a big character, Artie Bucco, who's a big character in Sopranos. Yeah. And, uh, he already makes a comment to Tony while they're eating. He's saying kids these days, they don't know how, they don't have no respect. Look at him with his hat on. And he's saying that like a normal person would probably say that comment of somebody that annoys them. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's that perfect juxtaposition. You have that, like, you know, that's what a person would say. And then they wouldn't take it any further. Right. Yeah. But then Tony sees that he doesn't say anything. He gets up, walks over to the guy and says, take off the hat. <laughs> And the guy takes off the hat, you know, after yeah. some a little back and forth there. And it's kind of like that, you know, you would more than likely never do that. Mm-hmm. But these characters bring that out of you or like, yeah, hell yeah. You know, yeah. it's like somebody who lights up a cigarette like in in a in an indoor spot or something like that. You're just like, <laughs> this guy's serious? Mm-hmm. Anyways, a uh, t- little tangent. But let's get into the episode recap. We've got a lot to get to. Uh, it's eventful, but like consolidated. So... Let's go. Stop whinging. We start off the... What's up, brother? I was just going to say, it's a very interesting note to open on in here. uh, Stop whinging. Poor kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, What I labeled this on my notes was the funeral of the Digbeth kid. It's very sad. You know, it's... um, It's sad, but yet then they kick in with this upbeat version of the red right hand, which is like... It's a funeral and these are the repercussions. And Tommy's just kind of like, you know, almost skipping in this in this cemetery. Like, this is just a normal mm-hmm. day of business. Well, the mother's having none of it. Uh, she, the kid, you know, naturally in, in the situation, she's going to have a, a grief-stricken response. And in the last episode, we saw Arthur have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But this one, in reality, is a natural repercussion of just his business because he had no intention of putting harry hancock what was his name harry hancock's harold I hancock's think, i think so yeah we, he had no intention of bringing him into a dangerous situation it was just unfortunate that he was the one killed because i mean that is that inept assassin did a lot of damage last episode yeah and i mean it was it wasn't anything that he was planning to have happen like you mentioned there was assassination attempt or not even an attempt it was just a, a move against Tommy, really. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. In the following scene, we have the meeting with Campbell and Tommy, the one that they referenced in the last episode yeah. where Campbell's like, we're not to meet till Sunday. Is this an orphanage? I don't what know. What is this place? I, for a moment, I kind of thought it was the same location where he was Tommy staying. Was like, no, where, where Tommy would, told uh, May Carlton, I do bad things. Right. Oh no! But it, I didn't. It's not. I didn't think that. I thought it was a, either a school or an orphanage, or it's a very strange location. But uh, I mean, I see a cross on the wall. Well, I mean, but granted, I mean they're probably everywhere, right? Well, in an orphanage, it would be usually like at that time probably run by nuns or something like that. Yeah. Um. Well, Campbell always Campbell and Tommy have this thing where they like to surprise each other with things that are not expected, and we see Tommy do it later in this episode, where we'll get to it with the name of the horse, but mm-hmm. um. In this particular meeting with Campbell, Tommy is surprised to see that the two IRA members that cornered him in episode one, who blew up the garrison, 
were actually working for Campbell the entire time. So mm-hmm. Campbell, low-key, was part of that whole garrison blow-up, from my understanding. And the assassination that Tommy carried out on behalf of the IRA was actually an assassination given to them to carry out by the Crown, right? Yeah. So Campbell's been pulling the strings the entire time here, which clearly makes Tommy lose his cool in this meeting a bit, to the point where he storms out, says no to assassinating the next man. And then he says this thing about the guy in the meeting being a spy. Now, I took that as complete BS and he just wants this guy dead. Is he? Is this guy actually a spy? Do you believe that? I don't know. I don't think I've seen any evidence to prove that he is. But, I mean, who knows? Tommy knows things from places that he can't even imagine somehow. He does, but could he just be digging a further hole for Campbell to to entrench himself in like hey i'm gonna you're gonna assassinate this guy from the ira it's gonna cause a division with this like little secret alliance they have going on and then that's done with Hmm. i mean it could be i i could see that i just i'm interested i don't know i'm interested to know who the man was or is that he has to assassinate because churchill mentions it and he's okay with this assassination as well yeah right so who are they just up and killing all over the place here? Are they, they can't be IRA members. Are they extremists, like politicians? Like what are they? Which is kind of worrying. Like you can just assassinate. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is if that's true about you know, maybe I'm being naive that governments don't carry out assassinations. But I really would not be surprised. Like I mean, the, I mean, just look at the like military projects that we've had in the past. They're they're pretty wild. Well, I just wonder how do I put this or like, you know, convey what I'm trying to say. What is the criteria here? Like, what is the exact threat? They're literally working with essentially Irish terrorists in a way. Right. Yeah. Essentially. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who the person is, but I mean, we, we definitely do not get that revealed to us in this episode from my understanding. I mean, you might be able to pause on a scene and maybe read something on a piece of paper at some point in here, but um, there's nothing very obvious to be communicated to us exactly who this is. Yeah. Well, Tommy makes it clear to Campbell. It's like Tommy has to flip things his way a little bit here, right? He needs to get the bargaining chips back in his corner. Mm-hmm. They obviously need him. And for some reason, you know, he knows Campbell's trying to screw him in some way here, right? Mm-hmm. So Tommy's got to get this done while minimizing damage for himself, right? He knows he's a little bit in a hole here. Uh, he also has his export license on the line. But he tells Campbell... You either kill that guy or we don't have a deal. So he wants him to kill the man who was in that meeting, the IRA, the IRA mm-hmm. member who's, who was kind of like taunting Tommy throughout the meeting. You know, I mean, the interesting about what you said, though, is like the, it's almost as if he's trying to bring Campbell down to his level, right? Like, you're going to make me kill somebody. I'm going to make you kill somebody. It could be like that. It That's could be as point. simple as that. That's a great point. Now, About that meeting with Campbell and the IRA member, uh, where did Tommy get that hit on his head? Uh, the woman at the graveyard, she smacked him in the head and like literally no, the he first ar- hit, he was bleeding. He already had a mark on his head. No. Did he not? No, he didn't. No? It was right with the first t- the first hit from the, the mother at the graveyard. Um, I wonder if they did that on purpose or if that know. was like an accident and her prop like scratched him and they just rolled with it for the rest of the episode. I don't know. I mean, it was a it was pretty instantaneous. Uh, <laughs> it almost looks a little too clean. Like like it would yeah. it would have it would have dried up and, and turned brown a little bit by now. I think. Yeah. Did the Great Gatsby? Can we look up if the Great Gatsby came out before this season? I, I believe it did. 
Yeah. The DiCaprio version, obviously. The Peaky Blinders bust into this very Great Gatsby-looking party. It's the same. What is going on in this lobby? There's a guy, like, literally getting head in the lobby of this place on the couch. Really? As this is happening. Yeah, yeah. It's There's always some, like, sexual acts going on in the entry lobby of this mm -hmm. club. Like, And he's right next to the bodyguard. That's odd, bro. Anyways, uh, they come in. Hey, Billy Kitchen makes an appearance. I never noticed that Billy Kitchen was in this scene. So, Tommy breaks in with all he, the Camden boys to the Sabini Club and beats the crap out of everybody and ends up being a bad day for huh. uh, for a man named Mario, unfortunately. Where was Billy Kitchen? Was, you don't see him there in the center of the floor? The redhead? The lumbering redhead there? I must have missed him. I'd have yeah, to he's, watch again. He, he's like leading the pack with Arthur. Oh. But uh, so Arthur drags this guy Mario across the yeah. entire bar Poor Mario, by his man. head. I can't wait till there's a, is there a Zach in this show anywhere who gets like no there's there's never a Zach I'm sorry I'm I'm too cool to get my throat slit. Listen, man. Mario will have his day in this show. So, Peaky Blinders. Um, Why are these saxophone players in the band still here? I don't know. I also, <laughs> I would have run. You, you, you get one of the, you get the, one of the most, probably the most iconic line mm -hmm. from Arthur in the entire series is this: "This place is under new management by order of the Peaky Blinders." Mm -hmm. uh, that's his probably his most famous line. And Arthur has a nice little after party after he takes ownership of the bar. He has, we call it this cocaine Arthur. Mm -hmm. Which have All you made Arthur. the designs of the T-shirt yet for this? Ah, uh, you know I've got to do that. Yeah. I'm waiting, man. I already pre-ordered. Like, you're one of those guys who, like, you put up a shop, you put the shirts up there with the design, and nothing, man. Six months later, I still don't have a Cocaine Arthur shirt. Um, I'm making an action at him right now. Cocaine yeah. Arthur shirt. Let's talk about the body and the coal. How well-preserved is that head? <laughs> Pretty well. They killed that guy, like, weeks ago. <laughs> his head is, like, pristine. He's even smiling a little bit. Yeah. He's like, did you see his face in the, yeah. the coal? Yeah. He's like smirking a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. He looks so peaceful. His <laughs> hair is styled probably better than both of us right now. Honestly, maybe maybe uh, Cole is a great uh, preserving Talk element. A, Talk about a shit day at work, though. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're shoveling coal and you're just like, damn. Oh, his head. Why put him there? That's like the main street of Birmingham. I think it was meant for him to be found. Oh, was it? No. Was it? Um. So... The Great Gatsby came out May 1st, 2013, and season two of Peaky came out October 2nd, 2014. Hmm. Okay, influenced by Great Gatsby, clearly. Yeah. I think it's a safe conclusion to draw. Yeah. Uh, it's in this scene Tommy realizes he's bleeding in the head in, in his meeting. He's going through the little itinerary of the soldier that he has to kill. He has blood on his hands. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a symbol. But I didn't really catch what was in the briefing. Did you? No. Of the details? He seems clearly like a military member. Yeah. I mean, I, again, although I, I really don't think there was anything that gave it away in here. Well, he's dressed we with military garb like in uniform in the picture. But Yeah. I, mean, I don't. Did we see a name? I mean, we could we could go back and look, but I just don't think. For now, they're keeping it. The details limited as yeah. to who it is. And probably for a historical purpose, they also did that. 
you know, knowing there were assassinations prior between World War One and World War Two, mm-hmm. just as Churchill's, you know, he's operating, but not as prime minister at this point, I think, mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm positive. Uh, so it's one of those things where these are just like government acts while they're dealing with the Irish factions, right? I mm-hmm. don't know, but uh, I, I would say for historical purposes, save yourself a headache and don't name this guy, you know? Yeah. At least don't name him after somebody real. Now, on to Michael's interruption. Michael enters. I said Tom, Michael's interruption. Tommy's interruption. Uh, Michael enters his office and essentially wants to talk him into being the accountant clerk. Michael's smart. I got to give him that. Mm-hmm. He sees a hole. He sees Arthur. He sees John. He says, those guys are no good with numbers. The only one smart here is Tommy. Think about it. Mm-hmm. That's clearly what's going on here. I'm not saying Michael's being nefarious. He's just trying to find his place in the world. But Tommy has a need for somebody who thinks like him. Yeah. And Michael thinks like Tommy. He's he's obviously self-serving in his approach with this, though. It, it's like he, well, is he Tommy tries not, to. Is Tommy well, not of self-serving? Of course Tommy is. But we expect that from Tommy. But Tommy's not going to try and hide that. Michael's coming in as if, I'm going to do this thing for you. When it's just so painfully obvious that it's for himself. What Tommy does is... It's not that he doesn't hide it. It's that he provides you so much value and makes it so clear that you need him in order to live <laughs> that you need to do what he does or you need to do what he tells you to do so, and it benefits him most, mm-hmm. which it should. Should it not? Is Tommy not supposed to be the most well-paid one on the payroll of, of the course. Shelby family? He's the leader. Why would he not be? I would say that the, the ranking is this. Tommy, Arthur, Polly, John. The mm-hmm. end. Ada after that. Then Finn. Yeah. Or Finn and then Ada, probably. Ada Ada and then Finn. Finn's the youngest. Because what? What does Ada do? What does Ada do at this point? She's older. She's she's closer to Tommy. I'm trying to operate a meritocracy here. Not a... I mean, I guess you're going with the... I get what you're doing. Ada's socialist and you're trying... I see what you're doing. I see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. May Carlton, dude. Talk about it. She sees what she wants and she goes and gets it. She goes straight into the heart of Birmingham. To go get her man. Talk about a initiator. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes just, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to say, man, that Tommy Shelby charm just comes calling from the highlands <laughs> of the estates of May Carlton and brings them down into the into the bowels of the Shelby criminal you're, you're empire. pretty passionate about this here. It's kind of funny to see her lack of shock based on where we know she came from. <laughs> well, she just seems like a good girl who's in for, a, you know, looking for a, a good time, time you know? Yeah. Oh, I get it. Right? And John Boy is looking like he's trying to get in first when he first sees her, you mm-hmm. know? Which is interesting. Especially but with I, his wife right there. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. And Esme is just kind of chilling back there. Um, well, May has come to see Tommy because of the horse. Tommy has hired her to train the horse for the, for the derby. Mm-hmm. Or the Derby, as we say in the States. Yeah, I think it's more lame to say the Derby. Uh, the, dog, the name the of this place is a so gambling say, den, by the way. Do we say Kentucky Derby? We should. We should go to the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down. There's, oh, a, there's a place uh, over here that does uh, horse races just in Pompano, I think. I don't think that's legal, though, Zach. I don't think you should say that on the air. What are you talking about? I don't know, man. Let's move on, though. Or maybe it's a dog uh, pack. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a sad thing about the greyhounds that they race, like they most of the time they kill them after they're done racing. Really? 
That's what I heard. Can you verify that though for me? On the yeah, internet? I'll try and verify that because <laughs> I kind of don't think that's true. <laughs> I had a friend who adopted a greyhound dog, most beautiful dog I've ever seen, and uh, I think they're called greyhounds. Mm-hmm. But they get very skittish. I'm I'm assuming a lot of those dogs are not treated well that are race dogs, and uh, this dog like he would see humans and he would run away, which is not a good sign. But um, it is fast true. As hell. It is true that a lot of greyhounds are killed every year because of their lack of winning potential. Interesting. I've got a lot of knowledge up here, just random knowledge, man. I'm telling you, you ever need some? You ever need some? Let me know. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> may may comes to see the horse and i know what an arabian looks like because i play red dead redemption 2 so like mm-hmm. when you go to the horse stalls and you go buy an arabian and mm-hmm. you're like this horse is way too small and uh you know you yeah. know exactly what i'm talking about though. <laughs> yep. so uh we find out i'm gonna skip forward a little bit that tommy wants to name the horse grace's secret yeah fantastic name it really is a great name very very petty like in terms of petty level 10 out of 10 for Tommy there, don't you think? Extremely. I've also got a comment. That was just a massive amount of gin. Oh, well, <laughs> with know, something. Let with me what? ask you a question. As somebody like you who, who prides themselves in, in mixing a good drink, mm-hmm. did a little part of you be like, maybe I'm too good at mixing drinks. Like, look how cool Tommy is and he's just yeah. pouring three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, four, maybe I need four to. Four ounces of gin. You know, <laughs> and she's like, are you going to mix this with something? <laughs> with what? Yeah, I, I'm honestly, I will tell you this. I don't care if it's Tommy. The question he asked her, if she wants to have sex with him, mm-hmm. she would be, she would have been more offended. But maybe she's not because she's a widow. And what I mean by that is, is that she's dealt with the most pain you can deal with. So she can deal with rudeness, mm-hmm. you know? She's clearly interested in him. She can tell he's a, a wounded soul as well, as well. And she's looking past his gruffness yeah. because she's done her research on him. Probably wouldn't have even gone down there if she didn't find out that he was an honorable person in the in the military, right? Because mm-hmm. she she has men in the in the military that she put his name through because apparently he doesn't exist in the credit checks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man, Tommy Shelby, but um, just epic, like epic to the point of like you know not existing on a on a credit check while he's buying up properties all over London. Hilarious. Of course. Well, I mean, he's buying it with cash, so who cares? Can I just say something? Like, when I first watched this show... Sure. I liked Grace more. Mm-hmm. But then when I watched this show again, I like May more. Like, I like May better. Like, I'm not going to say too much, but I like May and Tommy more than I like Grace and Tommy. Because I feel like May has made peace with who Tommy is and you know and what mm-hmm. how he makes his living while Grace has these kind of fantasies of like reforming reforming the bad guy you know like every yeah. girl has that thing like I'm going to fix the guy yeah, you're going to fix him you know not. yeah yeah i which is why you know why a lot of women settle you know they get in let's go on a tangent you okay. know go they want to they see the guy they see potential but they're like I can fix him I can fix him that's what Grace was mm-hmm. with Tommy it's true in a sense I mean, she, she really did seem to become that person. Personally, I, like I've mentioned before many times, I'm not a big fan of Grace, honestly. I just don't like her that much. So I'm liking May a lot more. Very attractive. Very attractive. You can't say anything, <laughs> but very attractive. You know, 
She doesn't seem to be liking the gin drink though too much. I mean, it's what all gin and like a, a drip of. Uh, I don't even know what else it was. By the way, cordial. Yeah. Tom Hart. That's Tom Hardy's wife. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hence, no more. Hence my yeah, no more really comments. Um, Tommy's getting dressed while Polly's in the room, who also looks kind of half dressed. I don't feel like I haven't seen Polly's shoulders in this show for some reason. It's not very common to see them. Unless she's having fun with a young little boy. Little boy? Can we not say that? Can we, well, it I was mean, like a, a young it was man. A, Fine. He was of he was of age, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, I feel you know the more you watch Peaky Blinders, the more you you wish you had more scenes of Tommy and Polly. Yeah, because there's there's not a lot of just one on one dialogue scenes. That's true. But they are really good when they do happen. Oh, they're fantastic. They're the best yeah. scenes. L- l- I, I always say this. It's if you had to rank the scenes or like the dynamics on screen, the duos. Mm-hmm. Tommy, Polly, Tommy, Arthur, Tommy, Alfie. Like those those three duos yeah. are the best dynamics on screen. I agree. I definitely agree. How do you like no. uh Tommy kind of finagling yeah, Michael into the business. Way. Exactly. Well, I think he knows like what is Michael's destiny. Uh, it's like what I said in the last episode. When you're sh- when you are a part of the Shelby family, your destiny is what these guys are. Yeah. Okay. And so, and I think Michael likes to keep it in the family. And uh, not Michael. Tommy likes to keep it in the family. He's a good guy. At the end of the day, like he's self-serving and he's he's to the point where ruthless for his family's benefit mm-hmm. right uh but you see in this episode like the guy who's protecting ada's house mm-hmm. which is a uh, like a gay renter a gay writer that's living with ada yeah he shakes his hand after he he was kind of like being standoffish but he was like you know what this is a good dude he's just actually actually trying to protect my sister here mm-hmm. and he introduced himself so what i'm trying to say is that i think he sees legitimate potential for michael on the legitimate side of the business because when you see Tommy having that conversation with Charlie mm-hmm. in the previous episode and, and Charlie's having a hissy fit because he can't see the vision that Tommy has where he doesn't want these goods to be illegal anymore. He wants these to be legal goods, right? Yeah. He says one day these will all be legal goods. He sees that Michael can be that bridge into that because his brothers cl- clearly cannot serve the role that Michael possibly can on the financial side of things, you know, or mm-hmm. leadership side of things. As we see later in this episode that Tommy has to have a, you know, a sit down with Arthur and tell him to straighten up because he's been doing a bunch of coke and having sex with prostitutes and just out of control in terms of his contr- of his role in London. Yeah. Speaking of the, uh, the gay guy with, uh, with Ada, he plays Prince Charles in The Crown, Josh O'Connor. Really? And you yeah. know what? He looks like Charles. Yeah. He looks like freaking Prince Charles. Yes, he does. Yep. I was looking at him. I was like, who does this guy look like? You're, that's a great casting choice for like a young Prince Charles. It was incredible. I mean, if you, if you, if you have not watched that show he's, yet. He's got, the nose, show. he's got the nose and the ears. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael's, why are they trying scotch whiskey? Is that Tommy's original brew, or is that like where where did he? I don't know where he distill this. I I, I don't know. 
But I mean, the intent is to, to get it to the U.S., right, where prohibition is currently in place. And will they have use of the Camden docks now that he makes clear, right? Yeah, very clear. Do you have more insight into this scene with Johnny Dogs about the twenty five becomes twenty four? I, I think it's about Johnny Dogs selling the stuff. I, I I think it. I mean, when I when I heard it, I thought it was more of just a like, hey, you can take one off the top, but if you take any more than that, I don't know what the repercussions are, but there's obviously something. It's kind of weird, right? That like he clearly trusts Johnny Dogs to the point where he's okay with him taking a box. Yeah. I was just gonna say he seems so trustworthy. Like he, like he, I haven't seen anything with him in this show where it's just kind of been like a red flag. I love when he says, "I hate to see you not married yet. I have a cousin that make your life hell." <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> oh, it's clearly a message he's sending to Johnny here. Like you need to chill out with uh, stealing the boxes. Mm. But it's a very low key scene to the point where I don't remember in in previously watching the season, this coming up again in conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really remember it either. I don't. I don't know to what extent he's been. Uh, he's been taking stuff, but it, it, you know, on on rewatch today, it does kind of have that feeling, like his guilty look. Yeah, it's like somebody who's been caught. Like you can't get one yeah. over me. You know? Yeah, it's, and then it's the, not like oh, thanks for letting me have one. It's just like oh crap. And you have Billy, the next line that he says on the stairs as he's waiting for Tommy is we put bars in the windows, you know, essentially like protecting the goods. Mm-hmm. On to Arthur and... Another girl. Cocaine Arthur. Third of the episode? Yeah, I mean, the first two were at once. Yeah. Arthur and his escapades. Arthur is the kind of person that he can't go the speed limit it's 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 zero or a hundred that's well, it I with mean, arthur cocaine kind of puts you at a hundred right i don't know i couldn't i couldn't tell you i'll Could tell you? you right now it sure <laughs> appears to put you at a hundred <laughs> <laughs> i like how he's trying to give tommy the runaround it's you know the previous scene he's having a talk with johnny dogs about stealing boxes mm-hmm. and here he is telling his brother like 600 pounds of olives and the onion fucking things you know little bits of onions <laughs> you know like you what are you trying to bs me for you know this really makes me wonder what 600 pounds worth of olives looks like like is that a, a room full of, a like, a, like a room full of olives like I would assume it covers like 600 pounds of olives. Well, keep in mind, we're talking about monetary value. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, yeah. 600 pounds back then? Yeah. I'm so assuming like, now. I'm assuming like my entire room or my apartment full of olives <laughs> is 600 pounds of olives. Like your apartment, like your living room and like everything is probably 600 pounds of olives. Yeah. Back then, man, 600 pounds of olives. That's a lot. Can we look that up? Yeah. Look up the price of olives back in 1922 or 1925. I'm doing it. Keep things rolling while I try to calculate this with my perfect math. Yeah. You're not missing much. It's really, in this scene, it's just a long discussion where Tommy threatens Arthur with taking away London from him and giving it to John. You know, because that's kind of where John is. You don't get a lot of action with John Boy. Mm 
and it's always to, it's almost to a point where it's a shame you know where it's like what are we doing with john boy here mm-hmm. it's not it's not enough time to go around mm-hmm. but to be honest the show is so tommy driven that there isn't much room for anybody but those directly within his inner circle Come to think of it, there's not many scenes without Tommy at all. What, like 90% of the episode has a Tommy in the scene? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which a lot of other shows don't really mix that. When you watch Mad Men, you're like, I want Don in every scene. Of course. And then, so, and then sometimes you just have Ginsburg. Uh, you know? Yeah. Like, you have your favorites in shows like that. Like, Mad Men, you have to find your other favorites because if you don't like any of the other characters, it's going to be a tough tough watch what you learn to love like roger becomes like your favorite at certain points and uh and peggy's great at certain points and joan is is amazing in certain points and mm-hmm. campbell's a weasel at every point uh for the most part so uh, this, this is some very crude math and i guarantee you it's not perfectly accurate but i think it's going to get us somewhere in the ballpark and i would i would bet money on it being higher than this number but I think that would get you eleven thousand like metric pounds of, <laughs> of olives. Yeah. Wow. Eleven thousand? I think so. You know how many olives that is, man? <laughs> Not an- <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Alright, so what we missed in between those scenes with Arthur. You have Tommy scoping out the house. He's pretty much casing the house of the man he has to assassinate. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he finds out that it's pretty pretty guarded by police who immediately tell him, hey, stop loitering. Yeah, like 30 seconds in. Yeah. And um, he visits Ada where we already mentioned that she has a renter there. And eh, he begins to talk to her about just business, general business. It's not really a incredibly pivotal scene but ada's just by herself in london it's just she's kind of disconnected from the family at this point i mean she really really wants to be she seems like she's just kind of wandering around well tommy her her husband did just die i mean at the beginning of this season Uh, she doesn't seem that affected no it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Oh. But Tommy lets her know that he doesn't have any kids, so he wants to set up a trust fund for her kid and for John's kids, who we will never, ever meet in the show. <laughs> Haven't seen John, him yet. John's kids are like the smoke monster from Lost. They show, they don't, they show them to you in season one, and you never see them again. No answer either. No update. Like, even the Godfather 3 had, you know, Andy Garcia as Sonny's kid, you know? Mm. I haven't seen Lost. I've seen, like, one episode. Well, you would have seen the smoke monster in episode one. I didn't see the first episode. I the just one saw the hell- one. 
I don't know. It was like <laughs> it was like halfway through all of the seasons, and I watched one episode, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not watching this. All right. Well, on to the probably the most important scene of the episode in terms of uh, repercussions that this will have. Mm-hmm. It's the sit down between Sabini and Alfie, who obviously hate each other and hate each other's cultures, but see a common thread in Tommy's gypsy army that is running amok in South London. So they make an alliance with each other to backstab. Well, not to backstab because Sabini's already at war with him, mm-hmm. but to make amends with each other so that Alfie no longer has to be in alliance with Shelby. Do you think this sticks? Do you think Alfie's being genuine here? Uh, genuine about what? Like, is it smart for Alfie to join forces here with Sabini? Well, I mean, wasn't Alfie with Kimber? Am I right in saying that? Or was it with Sabini? I can't remember. He was with Kimber. I mean, I think Alfie is always going to be looking out for himself. Right. I think, well, I think what knowing, he- like just with, with, with where the two groups are at the moment, I think Sabini's probably the, the, the man who holds more weight. Like he's just more well known. He's not a gypsy of some backstreet razor blade gang. Well, I think uh, also Alfie's experience with Tommy is that he backstabbed Billy Kimber. So That's what's to stop too. him? What's to stop him from backstabbing Alfie? That's a good point. And taking his property. And right now, both Alfie and Sabini are kind of at weak ends, right? Sabini just had his club taken. Mm-hmm. And now Alfie is pretty much fully being guarded by Tommy's men. So Tommy's in prime position to take both of their both of their uh of their powers, right? Yeah. You know, in rewatching this now, it makes more clear sense for Alfie's choice with Sabini of like at least making it more enticing or making sense, but but still. Doing business with Sabini over Tommy. After you met Tommy, he knew Billy Kimber. I mean, we all saw who Billy Kimber was. I'd choose Tommy over Billy Kimber, all things considered. time at which it froze was just phenomenal (laughs) you stayed there for like five seconds oh man and i was like this is the greatest screenshot of all time (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't know what's up with the wi-fi it's been on the fritz for like the past day or two all right well um i had asked you about i think that it makes more sense in hindsight for sabini 
and for Alfie to join up, knowing the like the position that Tommy's in to take complete control over over London, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, especially after backstabbing Billy Kimber. I mean, you never know what to expect from him. He's a wild card. Yeah. Well, they both agree, at least we don't get like this complete confirm or handshake shown between Alfie and Sabini, but we do get a little head nod and like this look on Alfie's face like he's considering it, at least, you know? Yeah. I think Alfie doesn't give a damn. He could see Sabini dead or Tommy dead. He just wants to make sure Alfie's okay. I really like uh, Tommy rolling up to make Carlton's house. He just pulls up, the car stops. Fuck. <laughs> I think, you know, that scene kind of shows Tommy. He thinks he's hot shit in Birmingham, right? Yeah. But this is a reminder of how far away he is from this class of people. It's almost like a reminder that he'll never be part, you know? Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that because someone like him doesn't ever think that that's out of reach necessarily but it's like he's like i'm far away from this (laughs) very far away from this it's like he didn't know how far the mountain went i mean you're talking this looks i visited the biltmore estate the vanderbilt estate Mm -hmm. in north carolina and this is like of that level i would love to know how much that house would cost yeah, well, Tommy has a good time with uh, May here where he stays the night and she obviously lives far outside of town. Yeah, she said about, what, an hour? 60 miles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, here's the interesting thing between May and Tommy. I mean, she gives him a report about the horse. Mm-hmm. Which is a positive brief. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I think you're correct in saying that. So that bodes well for the Derby, mm-hmm. which Tommy also mentions. Now, I wanted to make a mention of like where they are both in their lives. You know, you got, you got May, who's a widow, lost her husband in the war, and lives in this huge house, but is lonely. Mm-hmm. And you got Tommy, whose heart was broken by by a woman who he's named his horse after, right? Yep. And we see later on he's still not quite over her. So we we pretty much have two people who are trying to get over somebody. Yeah. Right? Which is like a, a, a an understandable place to be in, in terms of like they both can serve each other in a, in a good way, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. You know? So... In this scene where they're both kind of like being shy about staying over the night. Because Tommy's kind of facade goes away once he leaves Birmingham. He's out of, he's out of his element. He's I very mean, he, far out of, out of but, his element. But he is very much making her admit that what, he, what she wants to do is sleep with him. You know? Mm-hmm. You think it's like a power move? It's not a power move. It's if you want me to stay, acknowledge why you want me to stay. That's that's what it is. He's kind of forcing her to show her hand, though. He is. Yeah. You know, he is. He's saying, I have a car. You have engine oil. Why can't I leave? Uh-huh. You know? And you see her kind of break down emotionally where he kind of pushes her a little bit too far. You know? Mm-hmm. I, he goes too far. It's Bottom line is he goes too far. Yeah. He, he, he's, he doesn't treat her well. Uh, 
Well, I mean, you're Tommy Shelby. No, he's being an asshole. He's being an asshole. That's what he is. You know? It's because of his situation with Grace. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Yeah. I mean, Tommy and the rest of the, rest of the Shelbys, they're difficult to like. Yeah, but I would put Tommy in a different category in terms of like, he's actually a complicated individual. Like he's able to, he's able to put off short term, short term gains for long term success. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah, he's not sense. like, he's not like Arthur who's going into a bar and then doing cocaine and having sex with prostitutes. Like that's not Tommy. Mm-mm. At least it's not on screen. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not on screen. <laughs> I don't think it's off screen either. Neither do I. I think it's with only with like a woman like Lizzie or whatever. Although we do have that one exception with the party of open, reopening the garrison. That so. is true. That is true. We we did see. Yeah, but there was no cocaine. True. True. Only opium. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's much better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Stronger. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tommy makes it known that he is going to find her way to May's room. And uh, they're going to have a good time. Because that's pretty much all that happens in the scene. It's a long, drawn-out thing just to hear about the horse. And it's really just a, a you know a love affair between yeah. May and Tommy. Letting it simmer a little bit. Yeah. So we see now Michael getting into his you know first day at work or whatever day this is for him. Talking with a very uh, young Isaiah in the, in the group here. Mm-hmm. And they decide to go drinking out on, I think it's payday for them, no? It is payday. Isaiah's trying to get Michael to go for a drink, but he doesn't want to go for a drink. But he's like, come on. It's payday. All the girls are going to the marquee. Well, Michael wants to be, he wants to shine. I think he sees the opportunity here. But is this the first, is this a misstep for Michael? Hanging out with the wrong crowd here? It's probably his first. Yeah, yeah, this is first. It's but is it really a misstep? I feel like this is like a bonding exercise. I don't it's like know. what I mean, it's like what you do when you have a corporate job and you go and do those trust exercises. You go to like some conference and you. This is a team building exercise. This I've is what this is. This is the equivalent of a Shelby Enterprise team building ex- team building exercise. You go to a rival bar where you don't belong, and you get into a bar fight and burn down the bar, and now your chemistry has increased. Could be. It could be some weird backwards way of trying to. Why backwards? I think if you got into a bar, if me and you got into a bar fight together, mm-hmm. somebody came up to him and they were like, hey, Whitey. <laughs> and I was like, what'd you say to my boy? And I knocked him out. Immediately, our friendship would multiply. Would it not? Yeah, I, I definitely think it would. Same if like somebody came up to me and they were like, hey, you Cuban refugee, hey, and then you socked him in the face like yeah. immediately. I'd be like, yo, that's that's like that's my best friend right there. <laughs> what the heck? And then we got into a bar fight. Uh. And then subsequently, both of our dads or like our uncles came by and then burned Burn down, down the bar. <laughs> it would be pretty damn funny though. <laughs> our families, We're gonna have to go to go to some more interesting our places fam- other than invasive. Our, yeah. <laughs> our families would be united. I mean yeah. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So is it is it a backwards thing? I mean, nah. is that is that more bonding than going to like a ropes course? I would rather do that than go to a ropes course. Yeah. All right. 
All right, <laughs> find the right pub. <laughs> well, anyways, what happens is Isaiah. There's a racist moment where they call out Isaiah for being black. I think that's what it was, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. In the in the bar, it's been a while. I actually am catching up on some of the last bits of this episode because it's been a minute. But um, I didn't know what the beef was. I think it was because they were hitting on the it girl. I don't just, know what it was. No, no. The, the beef was purely the fact that he was black. Yeah, and well, the uh, the Irish man didn't want to drink with a yeah. With a black man. I love the scene when they go back into the garrison, though, mm-hmm. where I think it's Michael who lets it slip, right? Is it? I'm almost 100% positive because Isaiah I probably wouldn't so. have let it slip. Because Michael doesn't know yet what... What's going to happen. What Arthur and John have to do to keep order in the neighborhood. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think Cause, it was Michael. Because they're in charge of reinforcing the the law and order in in their neighborhood right mm-hmm. and arthur looks proud like he's seeing he sees some blood on michael's car he's like you've been scrapping <laughs> and you see john and arthur looking at uh <laughs> i love how <laughs> him, finn, and john stand up right yeah sit it's back fantastic. down finn <laughs> yeah 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 and isaiah lets him know like what the situation was you know i almost feel like you know seeing seeing this little little back and forth between isaiah and michael i feel like isaiah knew it was going to happen and knew a fight would break out and just wanted the place to be burnt down i don't know about all that but i mean what a shame the marquee of thorn was was a nice pub yeah i think he knew it was an inevitable that they would find out right yeah now, at the end, we have this nice montage between Tommy burning down the flames of Mae Carlton's bedroom and <laughs> and Arthur and his men. Jeremiah, I think, who's Isaiah's father, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, the preacher. He's there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's there. I like how you mentioned that. Uh, he's there, and they're burning <laughs> down the bar in their own way. But... Uh, yeah, it's kind of like just a oh, he Arthur makes sure to get the money out of the register though before well, of course. I mean, before they're the out money. of there. Spring yeah. the establishment. Yeah, yeah. On to, I think John gets like the most shine in this scene, if anything. You think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, I mean, compared to last season, I would totally disagree. If you're just talking about this season, yeah, there hasn't been a lot. Oh, I'm saying this season. This season. Yeah. And as they pass by Michael and Isaiah, Michael is like, he thinks it's about him. Mm-hmm. And it's John lets him know, it's not for you. It's about the, for the name of the company. It's for the Shelby name. That's a good lesson for him. Like, hey, this isn't about you. Mm-hmm. Our name is bigger than us. Yeah. You know, team. On, the name on the back of the jersey is not bigger than the name on the front of the jersey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's why the it's Yankees true. don't have the last names on the back of their jerseys. Because that Nike emblem, I mean, not Nike, the Yankee emblem on the front. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. All the Red Sox fans left immediately stopped listening to this, <laughs> this uh, pod. Now, once again, for some reason, the church is a nice meeting place for Tommy. Yeah, I noted that as well. I don't know what the deal is. Campbell sets the date for the assassination and tells Tommy, you're going to have to deal with the coppers, which is clearly a setup. Mm-hmm. And Tommy lets him know what he thinks of Campbell's word, which is that he thinks it's worthless, which it is worthless. Mm-hmm. And he know he's told Campbell that he has been planning for his own death for weeks now. 
and that if he does die, Campbell will die at the hand of some of his trusted men. Yeah. Tommy knows what this meeting's about. Campbell. This go. This goes back to my point in the beginning of the episode, mm. right? What I said about Tony Soprano. Yeah. How often has anybody in the audience been out there where your boss says they have a meeting, and you know your you, this particular person in your organization is like a serpent? They're literally a snake, and they have some different nefarious plot that they're trying to like get up whatever their little rat pack or rat race are trying to do Mm -hmm. you know and you can see it but you can't call it out you have to go more little finger game of thrones style and you gotta just you gotta survive through not saying much but tommy lets him know immediately what his plot is what campbell's plot is and what he plans to do if something happens to him yeah you know that goes to my point of like that just primal thing that you can just say what you want, do what you want to do, eliminate the enemy, eliminate <laughs> the, a mouthful of whiskey you pour into. <laughs> I mean, he's stressed. I mean, it's just that Campbell is just a uh, a prick, unlikable person. So I think it <laughs> it just adds to it of just yeah, Tommy, you tell him. Let's get rid of him. Yeah. You know? I mean, you're definitely rooting for Tommy. Uh, Campbell, like, he, he does really seem like a snake. And he also just, he seems overly interested in the safety of uh, Tommy. Oh, and it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it seems like it's just so transparent that it's like, you know, this guy doesn't give a crap. Yeah. Now, I mean, he went to go kill great you- small people. Are you rooting for Grace is the question. Because at the end of this episode, Tommy picks up the phone and calls Grace. <sighs> But a man picks up in a white suit. I mean, that's a great Gatsby suit. This must be the 1920s. So poor May Carlton. Poor May. Like I like I've said in season one, I did not like her like at all until they got into that that bar scene. I still wasn't uh, where where um, they almost got killed basically. But I still wasn't a fan of her. I like her more in this season than I did in that season, but I'm still well, not a huge You're not fan. there yet. Well, yeah. you know, we get the reintroduction of her with this phone call, and we let, you know, it's pretty much the show writers letting us know she's back. Yeah, exactly. And uh, now we got a little bit of a love triangle with May and Grace and Tommy going on, right? Yep. Uh, which is great because, you know, you see Grace's face, she knows who's the one who called the hotel, right? Of course. I Wait, mean, was who else is going to call you from London? Was there a comment by the man who said that they had called that somebody had called previously as well? Maybe I don't know. I'd, ha- I I'd have it. to I'd have to go back and watch it, but yeah, as if maybe it. Tommy had been calling a couple of times and he keeps picking up the phone. I mean, possibly. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Tommy seemed kind of surprised that a man picked up, but who knows? He could have called before. Maybe maybe. So know. that Could leaves you us even here. leave a message let's, back then? Like you, you leave no. with the operator? What do you do? I don't know. But let's let's uh recap. So we have the Derby approaching. We have a potential alliance between Alfie and Sabini, which throws everything out of whack for Tommy. Yeah. We got Tommy in the middle of a hole with the crown and the IRA. So we have Tommy potentially up against four different factions the British government, the IRA, the Italian mob and the Jewish mob. He has no idea that he's at this much risk with all four of these groups, while he also has a love triangle yeah, brewing. I was just going to say he's a political triangle, a gang triangle, and a love triangle going all at the same time. Yep. 
So it's pretty much he is in. Uh, he's like the man underneath the coal, but he, he but he doesn't <laughs> he's know not it dead yet. yet. He's not <laughs> dead yet. So excellent point to leave off. It's just a, a roller coaster from here on out in season two, and that's a wrap on episode four. Uh, we have two more to go. We're not going to be recording next week. And we will be wrapping this up on the second week of May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the week, first week and a half of May. We'll be done with season two and on to seasons three and four. For sure. All right. Let's get into the category, Zach. All right. Number one, best scene. It's tough. There's a lot of interesting things in this. There's a lot of good scenes in this episode. <laughs> I love the bar beat up scene. It was good. That's my number two. But I do love the scene where Tommy goes to May in the middle of the night. I do like that scene a lot. Okay. Of course. Or the bar scene where he's talking to May. I like that scene too. I just think that they have really good chemistry. Yeah. They do seem to. That's for sure. My uh, my number two is the, the fight at the marquee. But mm-hmm. the uh, the number one the marquee, for me, yeah. or the Sabini bar, uh, the marquee. Oh, I forgot the marquee about the Sabini is bar. marquee is yeah 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 yeah. I think I would put the Sabini bar above the marquee. So so the marquee would then become number three. The the Sabini bar is the most memorable scene from the episode for it, me. It is, it is a very memorable scene. Yeah. Um, my favorite scene though, I think, was the meeting between Sabini and Alfie. The dynamic really? in there was very interesting. Yeah. Really? See, that wasn't even in my in my tops. Maybe because I'm rooting against the alliance, that I'm like being biased against it. But I mean, I like a lot happened in there, and we we get the seeds of uh, Alfie's Alfie betraying Tommy essentially at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Which would put them on, I guess, level level playing fields of both stabbing a partner of some sort in the back, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Best lines of the episode. I've got two. I think it. I like the line when he just straight up asked May, "Like, do you want to have sex?" <laughs> like, do you want to fuck me? You know. <laughs> uh, I think that's a. I love that line, and then I also like. Uh, eh, I, I don't know if I'd put that in the top, but I love. Probably the number one line is, Arthur. Yep. This place is under new management. Uh, I order yeah. the Peaky Blinders. Yeah. That's that's my number one. That I also like. Mm, I don't know. I like the May scene where he says, "In the middle of the night, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go to your." Like I like that scene a lot. Like okay. I, that's a build up. I just like it. Yeah. My uh, my second favorite line of the episode is, "If you don't know, then you don't fucking know, do you?" <laughs> Who was that Alfie. from? Alfie. Oh, Alfie yeah, yeah, Sabini. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Most memorable character. It's got to be Arthur in this one, no? Arthur's all over the place. He's, he's dominates I mean, a bar. <laughs> he's, he's all over he's, the place in this one. He's with a bunch of hookers in this episode. It's cocaine mm-hmm. Arthur is like on a, on a, on a, on a, what do you call that? Like a, uh, uh, a bender. A he's, on a, he's on a bender. 
and uh and then he goes and burns down the marquee bar too i mean like he's on a roll so i, I go arthur number one on this episode okay. i was gonna go with tommy because there's so much dialogue with him and yeah i mean with him and may him and campbell him and polly well it's always like tommy's top two at least right in yeah. every episode i mean he's yeah. he's realistically always at least at least number two yeah but yeah um, any other moments that stood out outside of arthur i like the dynamic with finn like when they push him down to go yeah, i, I that like that funny. moment i like the johnny dogs moment at the dock that little subtle subtext that's being said there but not really just you know spoken plainly mm-hmm. and maybe other shows would be like johnny have you been stealing from the boat yeah and gonna be like <laughs> me yeah why would i steal from the boat i didn't steal from the boat well johnny we happened to find a box so you know what i mean like other shows yeah. would probably do something like that yeah in the the king of subtext you know in a show is Mad Men. yeah like i'll never forget the episode where what, what's the name of the of the um the guy who who has a drinking problem he starts to starts to piss himself oh peggy olsen took his office yeah i can't remember his name not important but no. you remember before he gets when they fire him they go out for one last night drinking mm-hmm. and they're sitting at a bar it's him roger and don and roger starts talking he starts talking the guy who's getting fired his name is freddie mm-hmm. uh he starts talking about i think baseball and he starts talking about all these analogies and then roger they're talking about the situation about him getting fired and freddie's kind of vying for position back and then either roger or don i forget who it is but probably roger mm-hmm. also speaks with subtext letting him know like sometimes the, like the jig is up and it's just we gotta we're done you know Mm-hmm. so it's just just a fantastic scene uh, i'll yeah. find it on youtube and send it to you freddie rumson freddie rumson it was great good. episode great episode of peaky that's a wrap on this episode uh looking forward to the final two because the the final two episodes of the season are probably my favorite episodes of the entire show chef's period. kisses man i mean it's great yeah prime tv prime everything so all right, Zach, do your thing. I'm going to take my phone out and not pay attention. All right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to... Oh, Al- hold on. Wait. Let me oh, say one more thing. One more it, thing. Go for it. Ladies and gents, we're behind the scenes working feverishly on the Story Archive show right now. And we are, we're prepping for the first episode to launch within the next month. Our eyes are on Matt Reeves, the Batman. I had refused to do it at first, but then I actually watched it. And I was like, damn, this is very good. This is very good. Not that I'm bougie in any way, which I am in some ways, but what I was trying to do is make a movie that was more accessible that people had all watched. But mm-hmm. the Batman, a lot of conversation. It's current. It's good. A different take on Batman. I'm all in. And I want to rewatch it. I really want to rewatch it, and I want a reason for it. He also directed my favorite Planet of the Apes that I was not aware of. He mm-hmm. also directed Cloverfield, which I need to rewatch. So... How does somebody get their first start with a, such a CGI-heavy movie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand CGI to like a, like an extreme degree. Like I would definitely need like a tech. I don't think you know most people do. Like how to do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how do you set up? You know, it's like a giant green screen, blue screen room. Like it's insane. That's insane work. Insane work. All right. Anyways, my point is, <laughs> we're gonna talk all about it. It's gonna be like this show, but one-off commentaries. 
You've heard the trailers. Zach's going to put the trailer in this particular edit so that you guys can go follow and subscribe it. And I know there's just a trailer over there, but soon there will be episodes and then there will be another episode and then you're going to fall in love and you're going to tell all your friends and your future spouses about it and you're going to love it so much more. You're going to tell your kids about it and your grandchildren and say it's the best thing you ever listened to in your life. So thank you. Go subscribe to it. And uh, was that overkill, Zach? Just a little bit, but I appreciate it. I mean, continue. <laughs> I think I've set the expectations too high. <laughs> if, if you'd be so gracious to follow it, though, that'd be great. Yeah. Zach, like in the edit, if you can cut down that rambling for about like like 10 seconds of it, it'd be great. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Thanks. Anyways, thank you for listening to episode four of season two of the Peaky Blinders on the Peaky Blinders podcast by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. You can find us on Instagram at Story Archives. You can find us on our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com, which brings us into our podcast network, The Midnight Exchange. You can visit the website there at themidnightexchange.com with a whole bunch of links out to other episodes of their podcasts other social media and if you want to drop us an email send us an email at podcast at the midnight exchange.com love it until next time y'all stay peaky